Okay, everyone, Hari Bol. This is Kishore Chandra. We're here for chit chat. Uh, we had some technical echo difficulties to start, um, but maybe it will be better this time. So, does everyone hear me okay? Maybe Sid or Madhavapuri, you can tell me if, if I'm sounding okay. Uh, and then Jaya will come and we'll see if he sounds okay. And then we'll start. Haribo from South Africa. I need to put my headphones in. I don't have them. They're upstairs. I forgot them. Yeah, maybe it's my fault, everyone. It's okay. I, I can accept that for tonight. <laughs> um, we'll see what happens. I mean, I could leave you all with Jaya when he gets back. He's here. Jaya, they're saying they're saying it's my fault because I don't have my earphones on. I appreciate that. Oh wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you still hear it? <laughs> yes, unfortunately I do. Should I go get my earphones? Is it gonna, is it like a huge endeavor? No. I mean they're no. I'll I'll just have to leave and then I'll have to come back. Should I go do it? Well, ask the audience. I mean, I can tolerate, but it's kind of frustrating to hear. Okay, I will go get my earphones. You keep everyone enthralled. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, if you're going to stick around. The quote that I'm sharing is from a James Allen book. It's called As a Man Thinketh. It's a very short book about 30 pages and the book is about the cause and effect relationship between our thoughts and the world that we experience our thoughts and our character the relationship between our thoughts and our circumstances we often believe that our circumstances are imposed upon us from some external force which, you know, empirically is true in a lot of ways. But the book also wants to help us understand the relationship our thoughts play in bringing us to those circumstances. So it's a really good book. Okay, I don't hear the echo. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, I was explaining the, the, the book from the book that I was sharing the quote from, from where I was sharing the quote. Yeah. Um, it's, an, it's a really fantastic read. It's only there. I found it to be very informative. I've already read it a few times over, and I'll read it a few times again. Actually, it's one of those books you kind of have to just keep reading regularly. Um, and what I appreciate about the book is that it uh, kind of, the way the book is written, it obliges us to take responsibility for the world that we're experiencing. And, mm. of course, a lot of the world that we like, yeah, we... I think as is human nature, we um, blame the world we're experiencing on external factors, our, our spouse or partner, our family, our, the weather, our officials, mm. the Anunnaki, <laughs> <laughs> some snake race. 
we blame <laughs> we it's i mean because those are easy targets but it's harder for us to accept responsibility for the role that we play in the world mm. that we're experiencing and we mm. don't link our thought world like our way of thinking to our circumstances like our way of thinking has brought us into a certain scenario and therefore kind of sealed our fate in a lot of ways mm. and had we changed our thinking in a timely manner we would have brought ourselves to another place and maybe our world experience would be a lot different so it's a really i like that about the book because i i think it's yeah it's human nature to not take responsibility for mm. our lives basically especially the problems that we experience in our lives so anyway this quote says circumstances don't make the man but they reveal him to himself mm. and um yeah just so i posed a question on my instagram saying you know what what has the 2020 circumstances revealed to you about yourself and of course <laughs> i commented in my i said some silly things which are all all true <laughs> I saw it. They're not even false. They're not even false. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's it's been challenging because yeah, of course we the revelation of the true self is not had by the circumstances, but the revelation of how we've cultivated our persona is revealed to us mm. in ways that are embarrassing and humbling. and in some cases maybe horrifying or mm-hmm. disturbing um yeah <laughs> I, i forgot why i brought that up when we started off cuz i, I think you I, the voice. i think you brought it up because i said that i've been with my family and it's been interesting oh yeah <laughs> no and i feel like i feel like an, i mean i need to read this book i i have it downloaded uh to put onto my Kindle and I, it's it's on my to-do list to read this book um, and I saw your quote today on the Instagram and I thought it was very I mean it was very nice but it was also very confronting it was like it's one of those quotes that you read and you're just like damn it like it's it's like right. like uh you know because like you said it is very much our our nature to kind of look into the externals look at the other people and how they've had uh you know how they've played a part and kind of like this is why this happened to me or this is why this happened to me and i feel like it's such a i feel like it's a teetering line though it's true it's easier to blame than to take responsibility accountability is hard work yes but i think that the, i think for bhaktas specifically i mean i don't know this has been my experience and maybe this is like just very personal to me but i've also seen this in other people like in other and other people in our immediate circle of of friends and god brothers where it's like there's there seems to be a teetering line between like uh account like taking accountability for something and like i don't know what the word is like like we we spoke about this kind of like two days ago because there was no chit chat yesterday but when you go into those negative places of guilt or shame or like you know taking too much on like being too much in the passionate mode like kind of like thinking that like you have to solve everyone's problems all the time including your own and i feel like that's where it starts because i feel like it's a spectrum right it's either i am blaming everyone else on my problems for my problems i'm the center let's say the center is like you know i take 
I, I take the responsibility that I should take for my problems where, you know, it's where it's obvious. And also I'm very aware that like everyone has their, you know, misgivings and like this, and we're all materially conditioned and whatever. Like I, I see both sides. And then I feel like the other side of that is like, everything is my fault. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a shitty person. I'm a shitty human being. And like, why I should, you know, I should just, like leave like this and i've seen people i've seen people go through that and i personally struggled with that you know i've seen people like take on too much that they can handle and then therefore they become either like burnt out or they become what's the, not detached but like not indifferent but like kind of like dis like the only solution then becomes like to take to like cut the cord for lack of a better term you know i'm thinking of one person in particular which obviously i'm not going to say who that person is but yes, those are my reflections. <laughs> I wonder because even when you say that, like someone is taking on so-called taking on too much mm. responsibility for the circumstances. I I, yeah, I wonder Sanji, if that's actually possible. Sanji Rada has said it. Self-deprecation. That's kind of the word that I was looking for. Yeah, so self-deprecation is also a sort of thought pattern, which you are largely mm. responsible for. Yes. So not largely, entirely responsible. Entirely for. responsible for. So if, you're, if someone is, you know, there's a circumstance and they're entering into that realm of self-deprecation, it's all my fault, and et cetera, et cetera. That's their thinking pattern, and they're mm. responsible for how they think. Mm. And that, that's what the book is drawing our attention to. Um, so it's not saying, the, like, at least in my reading of it, I think it's a book that could be interesting to explore together as a group. Because it's mm. just, like, the book is like a, 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 a garland of just jewels. Every, like, mm. sentence is like a pearl. But anyway, um, the, what the book isn't saying, as far as I can understand, is that it's not saying these are the circumstances and you have to take responsibility for the circumstances. Mm. But you have to take responsibility for your thoughts, mm. the thoughts that led you to those circumstances and the thoughts that are coming up in response or in reaction to the circumstance. That's all mm. on you. and No one can control that. And so rather those thoughts are self-deprecating thoughts or they're, you know, s s blame everyone thoughts or whatever, those thoughts are within your control. I mean, mm. it doesn't feel like it, but every thought that we have, especially the thoughts that we allow ourselves to become fixated on, um, then that is, yeah, the thoughts we allow ourselves to become fixated on will, will seal our fate, so to speak, seal our mm. destination. And that's on you. Mm. So you don't have to take too much responsibility for circumstances like, I, I think there's a K book. The book is, um, hi, bye. Um, the book is As a Man Thinketh, James Allen. Very nice book. So, yeah, so you, you can't take, like, when there are circumstances, you can, like, look empirically or objectively. Okay, this one did this thing, that one did that thing. And, okay, yeah, I made a mistake here, and, and this one made a mistake there. I, that can also go on, I think, simultaneously. But the thoughts that are coming up, that mm. you have to take full responsibility for. 
like your emotions and I know it's kind of annoying. You know how when people make these fake apologies and they say things like, I'm sorry you feel that way? <laughs> That's like eye twitch. I'm just like, uh, <laughs> it, it, you can't, it gets upsetting, but, you know, as cringy and annoying as it is, it's kind of like true. Like, you're responsible for how you feel. Mm. Even if someone has done something to transgress or some you know some impropriety against you like if you think about the saints so in the Bhagavatam, for example so so many transgressions against them mm -hmm. has taken place but they their thinking is very different than the normal thinking of human nature that we're accustomed to seeing and that is all within your realm of control so for me that's the part of the book that pinches so hard that even if you have like a objectively speaking justified reason to be, um, to share the blame, so to speak, in a, in a particular circumstance or whatever, finally at the end of the day, you one, this book is asking us to consider at least what sort of thinking patterns got us into that situation, mm. and what sort of thinking, what sort of habits of thinking have come up in response to the situation, especially that keeps us in a sort of um, uh, a cycle of inferiority to our true potential. Mm. Mm. You know, uh, you may be justified. Like I, I posted something on my Instagram. I don't know if you, oh, my video when I was in Vermont, I did a video about um, what was Emmanuel Goldstein, the point yeah. I like to bring up from that. So someone commented on that video saying, bro, we have a right to hate people when they're stealing your lands and taking your money and pillaging your people and you know gave a long list of what is me things and um and i said absolutely that's why i started the video off with justify hate is the hardest thing to give up precisely because you're justified mm. and at the same time justified or not it has a certain reaction to how it plays on the mind and how it degrades the character mm. because of it and that's what spirituality is asking you to contend with whether you're justified or not, it still has this degrading factor, these thoughts. And if you're not able to transmute them, that's probably a good word, transmute them or transcend certain thoughts, and then, yeah, you get, to, you get to stay in the suffering world, mm. the land of suffering. I don't know. What do you hear with it? Yeah, so I don't, I don't want to put people like victim shaming. You know how they do it. I don't... I, you're, Jaya, it sounds like you're entering a little bit into the victim shaming category. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, we're all responsible for our, our, our mental world. Mm. And according to how we cultivate that mental world, our fates are sealed, not only, mm. not only empirically or conventionally speaking, but also metaphysically speaking in the spiritual domain, where mm. Krishna is talking about Yam yam that whatever nature you remember at the time of death, then that nature you will attain without fail. And the nature you remember at the time of death is a result of a, a, a type of mental cultivation over a, a, a lifetime. Mm. So that's on us. I was, um, there's some really wonderful comments here. Sid is saying the thoughts that got Ooh. you into a situation aren't the ones that get you out. I really Very like nice that. Very nice statement, yeah. San, San Giovanni Rada is saying, uh, healthier toxic internal dialogue can make or break you, but only we can change that. And that's very true. And 
and uh, Sham, it's interesting because some may say that even insecurities are a result of a desire for validation from others to satisfy one's desires. Yes. Absolutely. And then Leandra is saying, I completely get what you're saying. We aren't responsible how others treat us. We are responsible for how we react. Correct. I was listening to a lecture this morning. And whenever you listen to a lecture on this topic, it's very confronting. And the topic was envy. And... (laughs) And it's one of those. It's, uh, yeah. And uh, I feel like it's deeply connected to what we're speaking about right now, because I think in any type of situation where you are the quote unquote wronged party, it, obviously because you were the wronged party, you in your mind saw some sort of different outcome. You know, you in your mind had a different ideal outcome or how things should have gone, right? It should not have gone this way. It should not have been this way. You should not have treated me this way, whatever, right? So in your mind, you are thinking, this is not, this is not correct. This is not, you know, this is not justified. This is not fair. However, I think, I think what tends to happen even more, I feel like somehow blame and envy are very like, they're like very intertwined because a lot of the times we seek to, to blame those that like, okay, they did some, you know, the perceived notion is that they did some wrongdoing to us or like some, you know, altercation or like whatever, some transgression against us. And now you're sitting there completely absorbed in thought about how it's this other person's fault or whatever, you know, society's fault, that other person's fault. And not only are you absorbed in thinking, it's their fault, but you're sitting there watching them, you know, perceiving them, looking at them. And I'm talking about from a situation between just one person and one person to a situation where it's like me versus a societal thing or a group of people versus a societal thing. A lot of the times it really does boil down to like, you did me wrong and now you have something that I don't have, you know, or like the world. Did right, me wrong, right, 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 right. Y'all, and now y'all are over there, um, you know, right, right, right. Um, enjoying all y'all are over there enjoying right, 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 right. while I'm over here. Right, right, right. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And, and absolutely. That's, and that's envy. That's ugh, it's envy. You know, it's a hard, but it's, but, it, it but it's just, it's justified. Envy. It's justified. Envy, that's which what, makes it even harder. <laughs> I remember Ooh. when I, John and V, you, so you remember the Indra Swami's Viva Cultura. They were traveling around yeah. the U.S. and they went to one college and did their festival of India there. And they got called out for cultural appropriation because yes. most of the Viva Cultura performers and artists are Eastern European. Yeah. And so they were doing a festival of India and they were all Eastern European people. So the president of the South Asian club called them out for cultural appropriation. Mm. Uh, later on, the faculty member and one student who was needed to keep the club open that was hosting the people they immediately quit because they didn't want to have that tarnishing their their record and so the club had to close down and so you know there was a Hare Krishna article written about it and devotees were you know there was back and forth dialogue about it so John V and I jumped on an Instagram thing yeah I don't I know if you remember this, this. I remember and we this. and we <laughs> We didn't know what we were getting ourselves into because we were just like innocent devotees. What are they paying? So we jumped on and we were talking about the topic of cultural appropriation. Now, 
Janavi is deeply sensitive, and her words are very measured. Um, I'm, I, my words are measured, but I'm not as sensitive. So one thing I remember saying on the video, and I got a huge backlash for it, is that people of color, I can't believe I said this. About it now. Oh, I, already, I already know what's coming. I, already know. I said people of color are envious. They have race, they have race envy because people of European descent are enjoying, in their view, are enjoying more than them and also mm. perhaps enjoying at the cost of their own race, racial. So they have, they're just envious. That's what I said. I said they're just, basically they suffer mm. from race envy. And I got a huge backlash from saying that. People were appalled that I said that they were envious. So I tried to explain myself a little bit. I'm like, they are envious. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that they're wrong to be envious. I'm just saying they're envious. <laughs> like, that's the fact, yeah. yeah. The fact is that, this, I said, listen, if you enjoy, um, if you enjoy at the cost of my life or the cost of some facility for me or my people, I'm actually going to be envious of you. I'm well justified in being envious of you, but I'm going to be envious. Mm. And the point that I was bringing up is that that envy still, whether justified or not, it still brings you down. It, it destroys your own character, which is going to affect you in the conventional world. And for those who are interested in spirituality, it's going to prevent you from augmenting your spirituality. So whether mm. justified or not, it still, you know, it still comes down to it degrades your soul. So it's, a, it's just like a very, um, anyway, I just wanted to amplify what you were saying, that there's a yeah. rela relationship between blame and envy. Abai, Abai said, this is amazing. Blame is often envy with the veneer of justice. Ooh. I'm going to take, take a screenshot of that right now. Abai, of course, Abai dropping the jewels. He's so and, smart. And um, one thing that I, you know, this is a really good thing to bring up the justice point. I don't know how much I want to veer off into this point, but I'll finish, I'll finish by saying um, the lecture that I was listening to this morning. Essentially what, you know, our Guru Maharaj was saying was that like the reason that this is happening, because PB Chat also, I believe, mentioned, oh, envy, that's a tough one. After all, wasn't it our envy of Krishna that landed us here to begin with? So Gurudev was basically saying that we have a misconception of our, of our reality. And because of that misconception, where I believe that I am the doer and that these are my things and that I'm the, I'm the controller of my situation and this is what's due to me because I have put the work to do, you know, whatever, that this is what's causing me to have, you know, anger, lust, envy, et cetera, like this. And then he went on this beautiful tirade where he was just like, you know, Bhagavad Gita says that the ability of man in man is Krishna. You know, so any, any ability that you have, that is Krishna. And anything that you've done in this life, that is Krishna. And anything that's been taken away from you, that is also Krishna. And he's like, and that's his mercy. And, like, and he went on, this, you know, he goes on this beautiful uh, like this. But I really appreciated that because, you know, we've talked about this a lot in Chit Chat, where, it's, you know, we talked about this recently, like two, three episodes ago. Um, people were bringing up the karma point or somehow it was brought up where, you know, where we were bringing up this point that with devotees, you know, it's in bhakti, it's not a prosperity gospel. And rather in our philosophy, mm. saying that if Krishna favors you, he's going to start taking stuff away, you know. And the reason is because once we have surrendered ourselves to Krishna and we've said, you know, my life is for you like this, 
then uh, things that seemingly look bad in our life, our philosophy is saying that it's not as a result of our karma, but rather it is because of some sort of offense that we've committed, uh, aparad in the past, in past life, or it's Krishna's special mercy that he's trying to have a teachable moment with us, you know, essentially like trying to like get us out of that maya, get us out of that anartha quicker. And I feel yes. like, and I feel like the majority of us, myself included, I'm going to speak for myself. I am not at the level where I'm just like the moment something happens, I'm like, what's Krishna trying to teach me, you know, or like the moment something goes wrong in my life, like right at the moment, Oh, Krishna, like you got me again. Here we go. Let's try and figure, you know, like it takes me it takes me some time to get to that point and i feel like that that's really the i feel like that's really like the science of bhakti yoga you know the science of bhakti yoga is how do i really look at everything in my life everything that i have everything that has every circumstance that has happened in my life every altercation if i'm looking at it through the lens of like this is krishna you know all my abilities are krishna this this conflict in front of me this is krishna trying to get something out of me you know then Gurudev was saying, then our envy will subside, essentially. If I, have, if I don't have this understanding, then envy is going to be through the roof, you know, like this. And I'll close out just with this one verse that I shared with someone today, um, which I really, it's from the Ramayana, but it's in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Um, it's saying Ramayana Yudha Kanda 18.33 or CC Madhya 22.33. So, it is my vow that if one only once seriously surrenders unto me, saying, my dear Lord, from this day I am yours, and prays to me for courage, I shall immediately award courage to that person, and he will always remain safe from that time on. And I really like and appreciate this verse in the context of what we're speaking about, because I think when blame and envy and all these negative feelings come, it's because we're turning our back on Krishna. It's because I am not surrendering to Krishna. I'm not saying, give me courage, Krishna, to face this situation, or, you know, give me the wherewithal, you know, like I'm, I'm speaking for myself. Usually in those situations where it's like, you did this and you did this and you did this, it's more of my, you know, getting caught up in the mental uh, rigmaroles of stuff of you know i accept i accept what you're saying <laughs> i'm just hearing but... i'm just hearing the pushback though yeah i'm just hearing okay, the pushback go. you know what about slavery <laughs> like what? what about when it, these like outstanding examples of chickens life mm. human life animal life transgressions against a, a, a racial demographic or a, a gender demographic or whatever it might be you just i'm just hearing that in the background and you mean yeah. to tell me that my des desire to you know retaliate against that is due to envy and we're basically like yup <laughs> yup you envious that's why if you will understand that krishna has made the arrangement for this hostile takeover of your demographic, then it won't be a problem. But because mm. you're not able to see that factor, you're envious, and therefore your soul is going to be degraded. Now, I know that's not what you're saying exactly, no. but I just, I just hear that sort of retaliation I, in the mind. Yeah. I hear it too. I, 
I'm always very. Uh, <laughs> I hear it. I hear, you know? I, I hear it too. I hear it too. I hear it too. Um, I mean, I think that's a tough one. You, I'm not going to speak on slavery. I'll let you do that. Uh, but I will say, <laughs> it's not slavery. I, it's not slavery. Okay, when as you were speaking, I was reminded of the second verse of the Bhagavatam, mm. which gives the adhikar for its study. Dharma mm. Sita. So the word nirmatsarya means one who is without envy. Yes. And the acharyas are defining envy as the inability or the tendency to devalue the true worth of a person. Yes. And the person who has proper qualification for study of this literature, Srimad Bhagavatam, they're called as satam. Um, satam means one who sees the truth of things or who meditates on the truth, satyam param dimahi. Mm. And they are able to see the underlying value of everything. Mm. So they're able to see, for example, they're able to see the spirit soul beyond the psychophysical apparatus. Mm. So such an individual, even if someone makes a transgression against them in their psychophysical apparatus, they can see the person beyond that. Mm. And therefore, they, no envy comes up with them because the, all selves are of the same nature. Their nature is uniform. Um, the self-realized person sees all selves as he sees his own self. And so he's able to kind of look past the transgressions done in a particular body to mm. see the true self beyond that. Mm. So when you're on that level, you can really go deep into the meaning of the Bhagavatam. Otherwise, you'll be confronted with all these sorts of examples in your head when you hear this message that this is envy. When Prabhupada was giving commentary to this verse, I don't remember exactly. You can go and see it, 112. But he makes this point that I always used to really, that I, I appreciate, where he says that all the entities in this material world, they're competing for sense gratification. His idea is that envy manifests itself as a competition for sensual enjoyment. Mm. So in that competition, there's tension amongst gaining material resources. So that's where the competition is basically more or less lying. The competition to gather more and more material resource so that you can enjoy. And that's how envy basically expresses itself in the material world. So he says the devotees, they go beyond such competition for sense enjoyment. Therefore, they're not caught up in the... Um, you know, the cause and effect relationships of this competition, which leads to this sort of perpetual cycle of like justice and injustice and, 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 and vengeance and loss. Th these are like cycles that just are ongoing because they're nourished by this envy. But the devotees, because they're interested in going back home back to God, that's what he specifically says. They, they kind of don't participate in this competition for material mm. resources, so it doesn't bother them. Mm. And that blows me, I mean, I remember it blowing me away to think like, yeah, the reason I'm envious is because I also want to enjoy on the same level as this individual. I may not be able to admit that mm. because you know how when you broke, you're just like, I just want like a little, you know, a little tiny house. <laughs> like, you like, you have like yeah. all these modest desires. And then once you start making bank, all of a sudden you see your desires transform. So I know it's a little hard when, you're, when you don't have much to think. It's easy to think that you're just like an innocent little person that's not really interested in having a whole lot. But the fact of the matter is that, yes, 
I'm, as long as I'm on the material platform, I'm also interested mm. in gathering a lot of material resources so I can enjoy. Mm. And so I naturally, I get interest. Sorry. If my interest is going back to the spiritual world, then what's the big deal? Let them enjoy. But, you know, but you'll be, you'll be enslaved. Oh, I can still chant Hare Krishna. Yes. Okay. No, no way. Someone's got to be the master. So whatever. I often yeah. want, I'm, I'm not on that level, by the way. I'm just saying, hypothetically speaking, if that's an interest, then what is the, what is the problem? <laughs> I think it's a really interesting topic that perhaps we can talk about next chit chat because we've brought this up before how, like, when you're reading Chaitanya Charitamrita, you know, you never really hear the, the, the saints, the personalities. When you read a lot of these literatures from that specific time in India, where it was under Muslim rule and there was so much, there was so much, uh, you know, political corruption, kind of like uh, evil going on, especially towards um, Hindus or Vaishnavas in this case like this, but you don't really hear, you know, of course, obviously there's mentions of Kazi and this and et cetera and, the, and that whole pastime, but you don't really hear them making it a focal point. You don't really mm. hear them making it like, like, complaining about it, you know, for lack of a better word. You don't really hear them like going on and on and on about it in terms of like uh, a social justice perspective, how we're seeing it today, like justice, justice, justice. Mm. However, I however, you know, we brought that up on Chit Chat before. Like, hey, they, but that's like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates, which obviously like, I'm not at that level. We're, we're not at that level. And so I think from a personal level, from a lived experience level, it is quite the conundrum, you know, like I, like I'll have days where I'm just like, no, I'm not involved in politics. And then I feel the need to just be like, da, 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 and I'll just like post a bunch of memes and post a bunch of stuff or like this. And then I'll have some back and forth with right. people about certain things. And then I'll get to my breaking point. And I'm just like, no, I don't want that. That's that, you know, but personally, I will say, you know, me and Jaya have mentioned this before that between, between he and I, we have, we, we rack up quite a few of oppression points. And, you know, I, I personally have, felt in my life in the past where it's just like you know this sucks like why does my demographic or you know my my you know racial whatever sexual demographic like why am i cast aside out of society why is it like this why am i being attacked for this and et cetera, et cetera? and i don't you know i i'll give this answer and maybe we can expand on it later because i don't think that there's anything wrong with that personally like you know this is where me and you might differ I don't think that there's anything wrong for saying like, hey, I'm going to fight for my rights, you know? I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think that you should fight for your rights. And if you're being like attacked by police, if your meeting places with people are being attacked by police and et cetera, like, yeah, you, you should fight for your rights. And there should be lawyers and there should be this and we're in Kali Yuga. And unfortunately, it's the situation that we live in. So we should fight to have some sort of dignified life, you know? However... I'm going to give a however on that one. However, my experience in that has been like, well, what do rights actually mean? You know, like, is it my right to enjoy? Is it my right to, like, have sense gratification? Is it like this, like this, like this? And just from a very personal standpoint, and I know this might come off the wrong way, but it is what it is. You know, like, this is just how I feel. And this has been my lived experience. But in my personal experience, I was always kind of like the odd person out in my, before I was a devotee, I was kind of always the odd person out in my circle of friends. 
because everyone was just like, gay rights, gay rights, da da da, da da da, you know, social justice. So, and I was the one in the corner being like, I don't know about that, you know, like what? I, and I was, I was always giving the counter argument, and you know, I got into a lot of arguments with a lot of people about this kind of thing. But that being said, you know, um, I'm very happy that, you know, people have rights and that's a good thing. However, you know, let's just say that I feel like the comments are blowing up right now. I'm, I'm trying not to look at them so that I can like stay on track. But let's just say that like, you know, you, you get rights. Or my, my, what I've seen and what I've experienced and what I've heard from people is that those rights have just led to like more you know, more freedom to do whatever the hell you want. And that freedom to do whatever the hell you want without a proper system in place in terms of like, uh, in terms of like a spiritual system, in terms of like a dignified system, it leads to chaos, you know? It leads to absolute yeah. chaos. Uh, I want to vindicate myself from blame here by saying <laughs> we do not differ in the idea that people should fight for their rights. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed to clarify that for the audience here. Uh, it's not that I think people fighting for their rights are retarded. Well, that's not fully true, but I don't think that's a bad idea of sorts. So I just wanted to clear my name up from any weirdness that might have been there. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to rather say that when, when you're so being a spiritualist and having like this sort of transcendent goal, then you have to make certain choices what sort of battles you want to fight. Mm. And the main battles that we're encouraged to fight in the spiritual domain are against our own, you can call them shadow selves, our anartas, and making progress toward the actual goal of Krishna consciousness yes. or transcendence. And that battle, that's a battle that's going to take a lot of, or you may say even most of your energy. Yes. And if you get sidetracked with other battles, like that's the choice yes. that you can make. Yes. And I don't blame anyone for making that choice. I think that's a very natural human thing to do. Can I interrupt you for just um, a second? Yeah, 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 yeah. This was the point and I like I like lost my, my train of thought and this was the point that I was trying to make. That you know you times that if in that fight for my rights I lose my sense of identity. I lose my sense of identity as a spirit soul, as a servant of Krishna, and I overly or largely identify now with that social movement or with that specific part of my identity which I was fighting for. And it becomes like a behemoth. It takes over me. And that's all I know now. And that's, that's the only way I now know how to relate with people or to people. That's, that's my story, folks, you know? That in my opinion, is when it becomes a problem because I mm. lose sight of the greater goal. I lose sight of getting out of this material world, getting out of this material body. I lose sight of my sadhana, my practice, my relationship with Krishna. And now it's more about so, like, this. Well, I would, so then that might be where there could be some difference because I would say that making the choice to enter into that arena means there's a very good chance that you will lose yourself in that particular battle. Yeah. I don't think I agree. Well, I, agree. I know it's possible to. Yeah, I think it is possible to enter that field of whatever the conventional field of warfare of any type. 
and not lose yourself. I mean, there's a whole doctrine about that in the Bhagavad Gita. It's called karma yoga, where you're, you're acting with the spirit of detachment inside. But frankly, we, most of us don't have that adhikar. Um, and so when you develop bhakti adhikar, so the qualification for bhakti, which is a pretty simple qualification, the bhakti adhikar is given to you by a devotee. And when you get that qualification, you have faith in the narrations of Krishna, basically what the Adhikar is. Your Shraddha in the narrations of Krishna and whatever Krishna speaks, stories about him and so on. And so once you get that Adhikar, the main battle is to win the heart of Krishna. That is mm. the main target. The main target mm. of the spiritual practice is to win the heart of Krishna. And Krishna doesn't give his heart easily. There are many mm. verses I could reference right now, but he doesn't give his heart very easily because as soon as he gives his heart, he comes under the control of his devotee. Mm. So God doesn't want to become under the control of any fool and rascal. <laughs> and as long as we're identified with matter, we're a fool and rascal of some sort, of some mm. type. So once you make that choice to like enter into this bhakti domain, the spiritual domain, then it seems to me that you have to just uh, make a decision at some point to put other battle precisely mm. because they cause the loss of your soul and your true purpose and relationship to the transcendence. I think fighting for, you know, for rights or, or whatever, you know, like I get it. I'm a human. I totally understand that, that pull. And, um, I also see it and I also, you know, get kind of like, yeah, th this isn't right and, you know, whatever. But then finally, I'm, I'm like, you know what? But there are so many battles to be fought. And the most important battle to me as a person who has entered into the realm of bhakti and trying and aiming for the target of winning Krishna's heart, the most important battles right now for me is the battle over my own anarchas and shadow. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after that, after I win that battle, because that's just one of the major battles that you have to win, and it's a long war. If you win that war, then there's, after that, then you are more equipped to win the battle <clears throat> for winning Krishna's heart. So I'm like, to win the warfare over my own shadow self, my own anartas, that ain't no freaking joke. And frankly speaking, I don't <laughs> see too many people fighting that war up in this material world. And therefore, they, after getting their rights, they repeat the same nonsense, yes. but this time as the aggressor instead of the victim. Yes. And so I, that's what I, I guess, that's how I understand the general message of spirituality, like in a generic sense, but especially, especially in the bhakti domain. Like, there are many battles to be won, but this battle is the most important one because the material mm -hmm. world is perpetually a cycle of this. And I'm going to scroll up. Abai shared this nice verse. Um, this comes from Dharma, who was, who's, was attacked by Kali personified, the mm -hmm. age of Kali personified. And Parshat Maharaj comes and asks, who, is, did this, who did this to you? Everyone could see Kali had just busted him up. So it was like a simple answer. He did it. But Dharma, the bull, he goes on to say, who can really say who has done what? So he gives this like long-winded philosophical answer. And then Parshat Marsh recites this particular verse. The translation says here, the destination intended for the perpetrator 
of irreligious acts is also intended for one who identifies the perpetrator. I think this is a, an amazing statement. We, I think we could even explore this statement maybe tomorrow. It's an amazing statement. Yeah. But there are several ways you can read this line. But one of the ways that I appreciated recently a devotee writing an article about this particular verse is that if you, if you want justice, and I mentioned this the other day in Chit Chat, you get to stay in this material world and receive your justice. Yeah. And if you want to do that, you know, you get a round, a round of applause. But for those who are in the spiritual domain, they're generally interested in moksha or bhakti, both of which are transcendent to the world of justice and injustice. So if you enter into the, that domain and that becomes your real interest, it appears to me that you, at, at least at some point, there has to be the choice to put that sort of battle down. You know, choose your battles wisely. Put that particular battle down because, because this is the reality. If you go for that, you blame that person, then you get to have the same position as that person, mm -hmm. namely the material world. There are other metaphysical ways of looking at this verse, and I, it would be cool to explore that. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, um, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to... Uh, yeah, we should unpack that verse. It's a Let's very important verse in this, in this sort of conversation. Let's unpack that verse. I think we can do that tomorrow because somehow we've gone on for, for 50 minutes today just and just chatting, just chatting about this, you know. Stuff. Oh, my God, really? Wow. I, yeah, yeah. Um, I really like what PB Chat said. She said, actually, if we are really working on our devotion, we don't have time for anything else. <laughs> you know, that's facts. That's it's facts. a fact. It's really a fact. It's a fact. That's my experience. Like, just to get my rounds in, a proper shoving them in and making like where is the time but anyway let's unpack this idea tomorrow uh, okay, it's a really really critical verse yeah let's unpack this idea tomorrow everyone and thank you all so much for being here and for listening and tuning into chit chat every single evening we're here we've been here for 100 i think this is like 140 jaya um, so thank you, wow. PB Chat. Yeah, thank you, PB Chat and Shyam and Abai for your wonderful comments. And Madhava Puri is here, Kavi is here. All wonderful, wonderful devotees tuning in. Angelika, thank you so much. Sanjeevani Radha, thank you all so, so much. Hadi Hadi Bo, PB Chat, Hadi. Thank you, Jaya. See you tomorrow. Thank, thank you, Kishore. Hadi.